0: god i thank you and praise you how great is your name in all of the earth and lord i pray today that people would get just a glimpse of your unconditional Profound love that you have for your people here today. And so speak through me today that your people would hear the words that you want them to hear. And so, Lord, get rid of all distractions that might keep us from experiencing you on this Easter Sunday morning. Come and teach us and change us and give us a glimpse of that living hope. Lord, we ask it in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'd argue even worse than this pandemic that we are experiencing with COVID-19. I think even worse than that is to see... The fear and the worry and the anxiety that has permeated our culture and permeated the world. It seems to know no bounds and it, it seems like there are more people living in fear and isolation and anxiety and worry and, and there's good reason for that. There are a lot of people and some of you I know watching who have lost jobs because of this, and so there is worry and anxiety on, I don't know uh, how I'm going to pay for uh, our mortgage payments, or I don't know how and where the next meal is coming from, and that is not to negate that. There is time uh, for worry and time for anxiety, but but God also has a message for us today, a living hope that we're going to talk about today. And and I think if there's ever been an Easter over these last 2,000 years that We maybe emotionally can connect with what must have been taking place. It certainly would be this year. Because if you could go back to that first Easter, there were no songs and bands. There was no gathering together to worship the empty tomb because they didn't know the tomb was going to be empty. And that first time that the disciples gathered, they were in a room locked, fearing for their lives. They thought they were next. They thought the next knock on the door would be the Roman soldiers who would come and take them away to the same fate that they'd seen Jesus experience just a few nights before. And so they were filled with fear and anxiety and worry. The same emotions that a lot of us are experiencing today. And so I want to invite you, if that's you today, to engage in this story because the disciples didn't stay in that state because Easter changed everything. The empty tomb changed everything for them. And that's what we want to look at today, this living hope. How does that transform our lives? How does that enable us to live a life that's different? And I just want to describe, if I could, living hope for you. And I'll start by saying what living hope is not. Living hope is simply not unwarranted optimism. It's not some pie in the sky kind of thing that I just wish. Now, there's a difference between a hope and a wish. And so a living hope is not unwarded optimism like I really hope all of this social isolation that we're doing is going to protect me and my family and protect our world and save a number of people. It's not unwarded optimism. A living hope is also not just putting a positive spin on a bad situation. You can put all the makeup you want on a pig, but it's still a pig at the end of the day. That is not what living hope is. And so living hope from a follower of Jesus standpoint is not just putting makeup on something and pretend that the pandemic that's going on and the death that's happening and the job loss that's happening and the worry that's happening and the anxiety that's happening. We're not saying it's not going on. What we're saying is we've got a living hope. And that's what we want to talk about here this morning on this Easter morning. Now, that living hope comes from the words that we just heard from. That was one of the disciples of Jesus. His name was Peter. And just to give you a clue into Peter's life, um, that first Easter, Peter didn't know there was an empty tomb. He didn't believe it. In fact, Peter was often the outspoken one of the disciples. He was the one who would just speak before anybody else would speak. And so Peter would often be the one who would make bold promises, and he did that to Jesus. When Jesus would tell people that in his disciples that I'm going to die and I'm going to give up my life, and three days later I'm going to rise again, Peter pulled Jesus aside and said, no, it's not going to be that way with you, Jesus, and Jesus turned and rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan, you don't have in mind the plans of God. Jesus knew why he came. He came to die and he came to rise again that we could have living hope. And even just the night that Jesus was betrayed, when Jesus again told them what was about to take place, um, Peter was the one who said, no, I'm going to die with you, Jesus. And Jesus told Peter, before the rooster crows, Peter, you're going to deny you even know me three times. And Luke, who wrote one of the stories of Jesus' life that we have in the Bible, said when that rooster crowed the third time, that Peter and Jesus locked eyes at one another. And Peter realized what he had done, and he wept bitterly and ran out. So we often think of the disciples as spiritual giants, but Peter, from our vantage point, was a colossal failure in that moment. And yet he went from that to having a living hope, to watching his savior die on a cross and betraying him. He went from that to a living hope that transformed his life. And he wrote these words. So if you got your Bibles with you, take a look again at first Peter chapter one and look at verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we've been singing about already this morning. That is a great attitude and a great direction to set our hearts on this morning, to lift up the great name of Jesus, for in his great mercy, that is who our God is. He's a merciful God. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. We're not just the same old people when we come in contact with Jesus. There is a new birth that happens in our life. And what does this new birth bring about? Well, it gives us this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I realize there's all different kind of people who are watching this this morning. There are some of you who have been following Jesus from birth, and you just grew up in the church, and you heard the stories, and God has placed faith in your heart, and every Easter is still a celebration of the resurrection, and there's an excitement that goes through your veins every time. But I also realize there's a number of people who are watching that maybe the only time that you connect with Jesus is on Easter or Christmas. It's sporadic. And it never really has transformed your life at all. But I also am hoping that there are some people who are watching this morning who have been so far away from God and maybe you just find yourself around some other Christians and said, no, we're going to watch this Easter service and then we'll do whatever. We'll have lunch afterward. And you're just sitting there patiently waiting for me to finish so you can get on with your day and your food. But I am so glad you tuned in because you're not here by accident. But I realize there are a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians alike, followers of Jesus and people who have never followed Jesus, who, who maybe are a little skeptical uh, about an empty tomb, about somebody who raised is raised from the dead, and I get that. Josh McDowell, who's a great Christian apologist, he was an atheist and he spent his life as an author and and. Uh, Studier of um, just life in general. He, he wrote a number of books, and one of the books uh, that he wrote, he, he shared with four E's, and they all start with the letter E, and I want to share this with you, not to give you a whole... Uh, Apology of the Christian faith, but rather just to give you a taste of the kind of research that's out there by people who are very skeptical. Because maybe what you can do is, instead of uh, watching Netflix all day long, is maybe just pull up on a book and just invite, I invite you, to look into the truths uh, of what Jesus claimed and who he is. And the first E is the fact that there was an execution. And what you need to know about that is Jesus was dead, He died. Roman crucifixion was one of the cruelest things that was ever invented. And there has never been a record of anybody who survived a Roman execution. In fact, if somebody did come down on the cross and they weren't dead yet, the soldiers would experience the same fate that they would have experienced on the cross. So they made sure everybody was dead on that cross. Jesus certainly died. Jesus didn't just fall asleep. He didn't just fall into a coma. Jesus died on that cross. The first E is execution. The second one is there are early accounts. A lot of people just assume that the story of Jesus rising from the dead is really just myth. And something that happened over a period of time, like a legend that sort of grows the longer time goes away. But the problem with a legend, sociologists will say, it usually takes you at least two generations to have a legend get a hold of people that isn't true. And what we can go back to both in scripture and outside of scripture are there are witness after witness of the resurrection of Jesus not years after the resurrection weeks and months after the resurrection of Jesus. There are 3400 different writings outside of scripture that talk about Jesus being raised from the dead. These are early accounts and early witnesses. So the other one we can go to, execution, early account, is the empty tomb. Even the proponents of Jesus don't argue that the tomb wasn't empty. They argue that the tomb was empty. In fact, they came up with a plan. Um, Here's what you need to tell everybody, soldiers who were guarding the tomb. Just tell them you fell asleep and that the disciples came and stole the body. They weren't arguing that the tomb wasn't empty They were coming up with a pretty flimsy excuse on why the tomb was empty. So Jesus was executed. There was an early account of his rising from the dead. There was an empty tomb and there was eyewitnesses. Jesus appeared to his disciples and over 500 different people saw him alive and well. And so there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that Jesus did what he said he was going to do, that he would die and he would rise Again, so what does all of that mean for us today? What that means for you and what it means for me is our eternity is certain. And our eternity is certain, that we know, because Jesus died and He rose again, that our eternity, because we are followers of Jesus, that we know where we're going to go, when we take our last breath, that we don't have to live with fear and worry and anxiety. Because the worst thing that COVID-19 can do to us is take our lives from us. But we know that when our lives here end, we know where our very next breath will be. This is the living hope that we have. This transformed the way the disciples lives and it transforms the way followers of Jesus live. At least it should. I want to... Introduce you to um, a passage in John. And I love this because Jesus, um, before he went to the cross on his way to Jerusalem, one of his friends, Lazarus, died. And he got word of that but delayed his coming back and coming to Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And he delayed that several days. And so Lazarus had already been dead three days. And he runs into Martha and he has this wonderful encounter that I want to share with you here on this Easter day. It's in John chapter 11, verse 24. And Mary answered, answering Jesus' question, you know he's going to rise again, right, Martha? And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And it was a few moments later that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is a living hope that we can have today, regardless of what's going on in the uncertainty in the world today. We live with a living hope And it transforms the way we live. This is why it goes on in 1 Peter. Look at verse 4. We have this new living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And nothing can take away the inheritance nothing can take away our eternity that's the certainty that we have as followers of Jesus because the tomb is empty we know where are we will spend our days when our last day here on earth comes to an end I want to introduce you to somebody that you probably have never heard of before Donald Barnhouse is his name he was an early preacher in the 20th century And it was Billy Graham um, in his book, Facing Death, that wrote about his experience. He had three young kids, and his wife in her 30s died of cancer. And he and his three kids were in a car, and they're driving to the cemetery to do the service for their mother, for his wife. And all the kids were sort of blindly staring out the window, sort of wondering what has transpired and what's going on in the world. As um, they were looking out the window, a big truck just passed right by and cast a huge shadow over their car. And so he asked his oldest daughter, said, sweetheart, would you rather get hit by the truck or by the shadow of the truck? And she sort of snapped out of her little funk for a moment. She goes, well, dad, I guess I'd rather get hit by the shadow. The shadow doesn't hurt. And he says, your mother wasn't hit by death. It was hit by the shadow of death. And then he got to the memorial site. And he shared these words if you've been at a funeral where you've probably heard these words before as well from Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, death is just a shadow. We have nothing to fear uh, about death. We can live then confidently like the disciples lived. Tradition has it that every one of them uh, was persecuted and every one of them were killed for their faith. But they went into their deaths confident in the hope that they had. Why? Because they didn't just have a regular hope that the world hopes for. They had a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. That hope can be ours this morning. I imagine if you can remember back to your childhood, you were probably afraid of the dark. I was afraid of the dark when I was a kid. My daughter sometimes is afraid of the dark. And when it's time to go to bed and the house is dark and the hallway is dark and a room is dark, she'll often make the comment, like, I, I'm, I'm afraid. And it's easy as a parent to just quickly go, and there's nothing to be afraid of just because there's no light. Nothing has changed from the moment there was light to the moment there is no light. Just go to bed. But what a loving parent does is they walk with your child and they go and they turn on a light and they give them some assurance in the darkness and this is what God promises this is part of our living hope again I want to go back to the gospel of John in chapter 8 as Jesus says this Jesus spoke again to the people he said I am the light of the world (laughs) and you're walking in darkness whoever follows me will never walk in darkness You don't have to walk in there by yourself, but you'll have the light of life. That's a living hope that we can live in, that we never have to walk in darkness. We never have to fear. We never have to go through anxiety and worry because God is with us. See, you can be certain in uncertain times. This is the way followers, this is what Jesus invites us into, to be certain in uncertain times. I realized during this um, pandemic that we really sort of flipped everything. We flipped everything for Easter and we're flipping everything. We had a series coming up after this. that was really excited about, and we just decided with everything that's going on today, uh, what can we do to really help speak into uh, people's lives? And so we changed everything and we developed a series that we're going to kick off next week, which I hope you'll join us for. It's just simply called Questions. Because we realize that going through this, it's one thing to say, have a living hope, but we realize that there are a lot of questions that might be keeping you from having this living hope and having a relationship with Jesus. And so we want to just eradicate all of those questions. And we don't pretend that we can just do that on a sermon on Sunday morning over the next 20, 25 minutes, but we're going to invite you to come alongside us on social media. And as pastors, we're going to come alongside and put videos together. We want to answer every single question that you have that's keeping you from a relationship with Jesus, keeping you from this living hope. And we want to invite you to be a part of that series. See, not only can you be certain in uncertain times, but you can be certain of your eternity. And I tell you what I want to make sure that people don't miss on this Easter As we can get through this pandemic. We'll get through it. And there'll be another side to this. And we'll look back and this will be part of history. But what would pain me is if we get through this and you miss out on Jesus and you miss out on eternity. We can be saved from this pandemic and miss out on eternity. And what a waste that would be. So I want to make sure you don't miss this today. I'm going to share with you one last verse From Romans chapter 10, it says this, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be saved, or if you come to church, you're going to be saved, or if you say the right prayer, you're going to be saved, or if you give or do whatever, you'll be, no, you will be saved. And let me just speak to you if I can for a moment because I know some of you who have maybe been far away from God for a long time or maybe you've just wandered away and you don't have that living hope anymore. And what I'm praying, even right now, is that there is a little flicker of hope that is going on inside of your soul right now. And I just wanna describe to you what is taking place right there. If there's something about that maybe this is true (laughs) And God is tugging at your heart today. What God has done is he's placed a little seed of faith inside of you. That is how faith begins. It is a gift of God. And if there is something going on inside of you, I want you to do what Paul wrote to the Romans to do, which is to confess that. That is the best way because you can do one of two things with that seed. You can trample on that seed, rip that seed out, and throw it away. Or you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that seed will continue to grow and your faith will increase and you'll discover this living hope that so many followers of Jesus have lived their lives with. And so I want to invite you to confess that today. And we've got another creative way to do this. If you've got your smartphone out, your tablet, however you want to text, would you just text, if God is stirring in your heart today, would you just simply text, I believe, all one word. Just text, I believe, to 833-440-0137. Man, if God is doing something in your heart, would you please let us know? I'm looking forward to getting online this afternoon and seeing how many people respond. And then you'll have an opportunity. You'll get a text right away that will give you an opportunity to connect a little bit deeper so that myself or one of the other pastors or one of the elders, we can connect with you and help you remove any barrier that would get in the way of God letting that seed of faith grow in your heart. We don't want you to miss Jesus today.